All right, uh, Caesar. Uh, we just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. Um, we thanks for inviting me. Of course. Um, we have uh, we have a couple questions for you that we prepped in advance. And um, however you want to answer them, if you feel like you have more to say on one question, uh, just elaborate as much as you can. And if you feel like you don't have a, um, as much to say on another, don't feel like you have to like fluff up a question, if that makes sense. Okay. All right, cool. Um, and we will be taking turns. Uh, we will we'll be taking turns asking the question. So we'll be in, in a rotation. Okay. okay. And Nicole, for you, Nicole, for you, I know that you, you, um, your arms might get tired. So if you do need a break for like a minute or two, just let us know. I'll be fine. Thank you, though. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. I will be starting off the first question. So, uh, Caesar, um, how has the current political climate been affecting your emotional well-being? But if I had to put my feelings into one word, it would probably be frustrated because everything seems so divided with the current, everything that's happening with the election coming up soon. And there's a few other things, of course. And I feel like we either can pick one side or the other. There's either far right or far left. And I'm in the happy middle, and I think that's really what I'm trying to figure out right now. So again, I feel like we have to remember that our country is really young. It's only 244 years old, which you know it still makes sense, but it's still frustrating to be experiencing this right now. So I'd say the word frustrated really expresses my whole feelings about it right now. Okay. Yeah, um, I would definitely say that. <clears throat> Uh, right now, especially on social media, it's either like there's a there's a big divide right now. You're either Democrat or Republican, you know, and there's a lot of bickering and fighting going on 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 social media to the point of like, you know, people defriending others or getting into these large debates. And, you know, it, I mean, it's good to know where people where people like lean, but also it's you know, it's a little bit stressful too. But also I was actually thinking it's kind of a good thing too, because at least we have something to stand for and speak up about, you know, before like, you know, Obama, oh, I'm sorry, I meant Trump. You know, you remember it, people weren't as passionate about politics, it seems. And now with all these hot topics, there's so many stories and it's a different way to look at things. That's how I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, so have you ever experienced uh, discrimination based on your race? If so, how, does, how has that affected your day-to-day -day life? So, I'm kind of a mutt. My race is a little ambiguous. I'm French Canadian, Puerto Rican, Peruvian, and Black. So it's tough for
the people. And we would work together. Oh, hold for a second. She said she can't hear me. Yeah, Nicole, your your sound cut out. Can we, can we start from the beginning of that question? Because it cut out shortly after he started answering. Yeah. Sorry. We're good? Can you hear me? Yeah, should we, do, should we repeat the question again or just have him start? Sure, sure thing. Okay, Raven, do you wanna go again? Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced discrimination based on your race? Um, if so, how has that affected your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, so I am a mutt, as I call myself, I'm racially ambiguous. I'm French Canadian, Black, Puerto Rican, and Peruvian. So it's tough for people in general to assign me to a group or label me. But that doesn't stop them from discriminating against me just based off of the color of my skin or my deafness. So I used to work as a landscaper in Buffalo. It was maybe 2015. And I was the only person of color in a group of four white people. And we worked together and it was great. But the only issue was that the guy who was my boss, he was maybe 77 years old. He was an Irish man who was just always angry at life in general and just kind of behind all the times. So when I was, when I was getting close to snow plowing season, he actually let me go. And when I asked him why, he said that he felt that my deafness could be a huge liability for the whole team when it came to snow plowing at least. So he didn't really give me a chance to prove myself or to show that I could be part of the team through the entire year. That was the specific case, isolated case. Which meant that you know, before that, after that, I haven't really had anything specific happen to me. And I'm definitely more aware now of the everyday struggles that people who are easily identified as maybe black or Spanish or just a person of color in general, you know, things that they have to deal with every day. I really understand their pain that they've had to deal with. Um. Our next question is, what challenges have you experienced as a person in the deaf community? So I went to a deaf institute, a deaf school. It was in Colorado, Colorado, the Colorado School for the Deaf and the Blind. And I went there K through fourth grade. And afterwards, I went to a mainstream school, which means there's both deaf and hearing people in the school. And a mainstream school, they had a deaf program where they would educate deaf students in a hearing environment. So after I went to the mainstream school, I kind of became disassociated from the deaf community and my ASL skills really degraded. And then later on, when I went to college at RIT, I was maybe in my 20s and I'm playing catch up with the language. So it was really playing a linguistic catch up, sort of. 
and that was really the only thing I can think of as far as the deaf community, but uh, being involved, but they've always been so welcoming to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, I hadn't really encountered, uh, I, I didn't really get immersed in ASL until I started visiting Nicole when she was going to RAT. Um, and it was kind of life changing a little bit. Um, just, I don't know, like a, a little bit, I felt a little uncomfortable at first just because I was nervous to, you know, not be able to communicate. Um, but then realizing how much, you know, someone who's deaf equally wants to try and like communicate just as much as someone who's hearing. Um, so as soon as like people understand that and see that it, it's like, you know, the walls are kind of lifted and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's nice not to have that, like that barrier, I guess, because there doesn't have to be one. It's just a really nice change from when I, you know, when I was 20 years old, for example, it's much more open as far as learning and language is concerned. And a person shows up and says, hey, I want to learn ASL and I want to communicate with you. It's kind of like, you know, okay, sure. I'll work with you. I got you. Yeah. Um, so off the topic of ASL, moving on to your career, um, we hear you're a metrologist. Can you explain what that is and how you became interested in that field of study? So let me just clarify a little bit because sometimes people are a little confused as to what I do. And there are two different words that sound very similar. And there's a meteorologist, or meteorologist, like the weatherman, and I'm different. I don't work with the weather. <laughs> and then there's the other kind of meteorologist, which is what I do. And long story short, what I do, metrology, is the science of measuring. So I'm really good at measuring different parts and analyzing that data and working with different project managers and engineers and looking at different parts and figuring out how to fix them and then, and then shipping them off to the consumer. And I do a lot of troubleshooting, for example. So there's a program that helps me check to make sure that the part is working correctly. So there's just a lot of different things involved with my job. What was the other thing that you asked? Oh, yes. I actually didn't know the field existed until a recruiter on LinkedIn actually reached out to me. And I used to work as a quality inspector. So it just makes sense with my engineering background and the quality inspecting there's just a few different certifications that are kind of related to the metrology field already. So it just made sense. Yeah. When you first messaged us back and uh, said you were interested and then answered our question, a couple questions and said metrologist, uh, my team and I were like, wait, meteorologist? No, metrologist. What is that? <laughs> yep. Yep. No. Yeah. It happens every time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Um, as a person of color in this field, um, what are some challenges you have faced? Okay, so I would say for the most part, everyone has really been very respectful and understanding of like the basic human differences yeah. that we have. We're more concerned about making sure that our work gets done and turning a profit with our company. So personally, I haven't experienced issues as a person of color often at all at my workplace. But I would have to say that having two people of color as metrologists under the same roof is just a very rare thing and it's been a unique experience for me because typically typically they hire white men or women and so it's definitely been an interesting experience for me learning how to how to be a person of color within the same roof and this experience has just been really fascinating uh, yeah, I get that a lot. Like, for example, I'm a designer, but for a while, I was the only person of color in the entire company. So, and what's messed up is it's something I'm used to. Like, I went to RIT, I was used to being the only black person in class for, like, almost every class. So, a few weeks ago, we recently hired another person of color, so I was just like, I'm not alone. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, other yeah. I know that feeling. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. But that's that's I, I agree. That's probably the only thing that's rare to see. And so switching gears um, again, um, what are your thoughts about the current political climate in Rochester since the death of Daniel Prude? Oh, wow. The city is very angry and understandably so. And I wouldn't blame anyone for being angry about what happened. But if I'm, you know, my honest opinion, the police union has an almost unchecked power on top of almost no training for dealing with people who may have some mental health issues. So that's just a, it's a largely liberal, oh, it's a largely progressive town and city. And I'm not surprised at all by how they responded, but it does seem that the mayor's office and the RPD are listening so far. So it should be interesting to see what happens with the new interim police chief. Cynthia. So she's the person of color as well and a woman. So hopefully she can bring some fresh mm. Oh, hopefully she can bring some fresh insight into other th you know, how to run everything since with what's been going on. Yeah, I know that that's been a heavy topic and we wanted to ask you just, you know, just because it's, it's been a lot in our like news feeds lately and it's so crazy just 
that we live in Rochester and you know how much media that that story got like rightfully so but you know it's weird when it's so close to you how it hits you yeah actually there's one of the protests for Daniel Prude and I felt it was a lot different compared to when I went to a protest for George Floyd and that was back in April and just the mood of the city was completely different. It's just completely different like politically, but when what we've seen firsthand being there, it's been really different experiences. Um, okay, well, switching gears to a lighter topic, uh, we see that you use photography as a creative outlet. What got you interested in pursuing that hobby? So one of the, my favorite artists is probably near and dear to me. Um, I would say that I never really found a creative hobby. I'm not a good painter. I'm a lousy drawer. Um, but I was able to find photography through a friend who's a professional uh, photographer for the Iowa Cubs, actually. And then I just kind of picked it up after that. And that's about it. So who is your creative, your favorite creative influencer and why? And do you feel like their work has had an impact on your work? And if so, how? So I have a few favorite creative influencers, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be Alessio Albi. He's a famous photographer in Italy right now. He specializes with portraits. And he specializes with fashion photography as well. But he's very good at picking good background and having good shooting style. And that guy, he's on a different level. He deeply understands color and the uh, post processing for you know Photoshop and all that, everything that's involved with photos after shooting. And how he directs his models and pulls them into the shot and or, you know everything that he has to offer. It's just a very rare skill to have when you see his photos. You know, anyone could take a normal person and, and shoot them, but he specifically directs his model in a way that there's just really a certain skill to it. And he stands out just because when you see his pictures, in my opinion, that is something that has inspired me to become a more skilled photographer and just have pictures as equally good as him someday. Okay, I definitely have to look him up. This work sounds beautiful. It is. Okay, our next question is, um, what would you like to see from allies beyond social media? 
see what... It's a little hard to hear you, Bridget, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, what would you like to see from allies beyond social media? Consistent promotion of groups and self uh, accountability. So racism and autism, I don't want them to be the norm anymore because it's really easy to be a keyboard warrior, so to speak. And I challenge you and anyone watching this interview to go beyond your screen. No, that's a great point um, because I've seen so many people who feel like they have a, a bigger voice behind their keyboard and uh, then you never see them actually like, you know, be an activist and try to do something at, like, you know, leave their home. Not that you have to, there's, there's plenty of ways to, to be an ally, whether you're making art, whether you're making music, whether you're doing photography, you know, or you're at the rallies. Um, but yeah, promotion, promotion, like in, like face to face, that's, that's a big thing. Right. Um, so yeah. our last question before our bonus, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with the world about your story or your experience? No, not really. I think that we've covered a good amount of things today. So I'd just like to say thank you, Amanda, and of course the Fueling the Movement team for asking me to be a part of this. You guys are doing good things. Okay, bonus question. What is your sign name and why? So it's a C, it's the shape of a C, and you put it here, Caesar. So the answer is pretty simple, if I'm being honest with you. Typically when you have a sign name, a boy sign name is typically at the top part of the head. Just because this is back in the day where boys would wear their hats. So male names are typically on the top of the head. So that's why my sign name is Caesar. It's a very generic sign name. Can your sign name change? Yeah, I can. Either by myself or from another deaf person changing it for me. Do you have one? Uh, any of you? Uh, Amanda. Oh, Amanda, nice, cool. Art, Amanda. Oh, that makes sense. What about you, Bridget or Raven? No, I actually have never met like any deaf people in person. Um, you're actually the first deaf person I've ever talked to, even like through Zoom. So I have never just gotten a sign name from anyone. <laughs> Are you from Rochester? Um, no, I'm from, um, I went to high school with Amanda and Nicole in like the Syracuse area, but I live in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. <laughs> okay. 
I was going to be a little bit surprised if you lived in Rochester and never met a deaf person. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I've only been to Rochester a couple of times to visit a man in Nicole, so. She's going to move here eventually. <laughs> no. <laughs> Raven? I do not have a sign name. I have an aunt who is deaf and somehow never knew of them till last week. So I guess I gotta get on that. <laughs> How'd that, oh, you met or never knew of them until? I never knew of them until last week. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I know, right? I have, I kind of went to her and was like, hi, hello, auntie, how has this ever come up? <laughs> There's no excuse not to learn ASL. I cried back in high school. I failed miserably. <laughs> I'm definitely going to give it another shot. <laughs> I look forward to that. Cool. Yeah, so thank you again for all of your time and thank you again.